Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, very familiar portion of Scripture. As David fights Goliath, you know, I, lo I love this portion of Scripture. There's so many things in it. And what a, what a great uh, example that is for us that we're against the giants of this world, you might say. But uh, when we're on the Lord's side, we're, we're already winners. Amen? We're already winners. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll pick up in verse 38. It says, And Saul armed David with his armor. And he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. For he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these things, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. And he took his staff in his hand and took and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he, he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee... In the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beast of the, of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, and for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, and that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell, his fa uh, fell upon his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out and the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw, when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Look with me back in verse 46 and 47. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, David speaking here, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth. But notice what is said here. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And in verse 47, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, What's There to Know? What's There to Know? 
Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And surely, Lord, there is a sweet spirit in this place because it's your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your marvelous works. Lord, the several many answered prayers that we received this word about this week. Lord, how that you're working and you're doing a work in people's lives. It's not us, it's you. Lord, we want to give you honor and glory to you. We want to magnify you. Lord, that this world might know the God of heaven. Lord, I pray this morning for someone here this morning that has never received you as their Savior. Lord, that they might come to know you today as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that you speak to every Christian that we might know you in a greater way. Have your will way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You see it. From the very beginning, the Lord had chosen out Abraham, and he was to be the father of all of Israel. And Israel was to be God's chosen people. And the reason for that is that all of Israel might know God, the God of heaven. And the reason for that is that all of us, the rest of the world, through Israel, might know the God of heaven. It's amazing how much money and things that we do to to find out things. Down through the ages, man has has set out to know more about man, set out to know more about the body, the earth, more about space and the universe, seeking to know the, the intricate things of life, going to the depths of the sea to to find different things and going to the heights of as far as the moon and even sending a, a telescopes beyond to outer space to discover and to know things. Countries spending untold sums of money to spy on other countries and even their own people that they might know what they're doing and planning and preparing to do. We use high-tech satellites, spy planes, and, and yes, even as China, they use balloons electronics to gain knowledge of the unknown, men and women putting their lives on the line to know what there is to know about somebody else, only to have it stolen from them by someone else that hacks into, the, into their intel and to know what they know. We are a knowledge-seeking people. In fact, the Bible talks about in the last days, perilous times to come. But one of the signs of the last days is, is that ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the Lord. Ever learning and never able to come to that type of knowledge. And yet today, one of the greatest things that's needed in our lives is for us to know the Lord. By far the greatest thing, I would say, is that not to know about man and not to know about the military secrets or plans but to know the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, this world, in your life, in my life. He's a giver of life who holds tomorrow in his hand. And more about him and his plans is what we need to know. More what he has planned for your life and my life. More about him personally. That's what we need to know. Could I say that that was the desire of God? Notice here the desire of David with this victory that, that was to, to come about. When David came to bring food to his brothers, 
and to find out his dad says to take this food to the, your brothers and take this, this also to the captain or to the king. And when he got there, he began to inquire about the battle that was raging. And about that time, the giant comes out and he makes his defying remarks against Israel and against God and, and challenges them to send somebody out to fight him and so that whoever would be the winner, the other side would be their slaves and their servants. The word came that the king would give great sums of money to whoever would go out and fight against Goliath. He also made the statement he would give his own daughter to marry that person and that he would make his father's house free, that they would no longer have to pay any type of tribute upon the, the land or upon the, the things that they have unto the, unto the nation and unto the king. Well, David comes there and he asks him again. He said, well, what, what would happen if a person went out and fought this? And his brothers rebuked him. They called, he said that he was naughty, and he just come to, out to see the war and so forth. But David's response was this in verse 29 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. He says, and David said, what have, I now, what have I now done? And then he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for Israel to stand up and fight? Is there not a reason, he, he said, for me to stand up and to fight against this giant or for you to stand up and fight against this giant? But we really begin to see the cause that's on the heart and mind of David. It wasn't to be king or to be a great hero in the eyes of man. It wasn't to make his father's house free or to marry the king's daughter or to receive great riches. But our text verses there, look down at the, at the latter part of verse 46. And this is his cause here. This is the reason. This is why David said that he would go fighting. This is the reason he said that all those soldiers should have went and fought him. That all the earth may know. Let me say again, that all the earth may know that, there, that the Lord, uh, that there is a God in Israel. And verse 47 says, in all this assembly, everybody even in Israel and everywhere, shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. and He will give you into our hands, he told the, the giant. You see, David had a reason. He had a cause. It was all, that all the earth might know the God that was in Israel. They might know that there is a powerful God, a mighty God, can I tell you that that has not changed? God still wants everyone to know that he's Lord and that he's God, and that he's a powerful God, and that he's in heaven, and that he is a, the creator of all things, and that, that we ought to know him. He wants us to know him. God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden. It wasn't for decoration. It was that they might know him and have fellowship with him and walk with him and understand his ways and understand what, how his love for them. That was God wanted man to know him, not just know about him, but to truly know him. And he, at the beginning, walked face to face with mankind. There's coming a day that that'll happen again. But the whole purpose is that all the earth might know this God.
the God of heaven. Why do we gather here today? So, well, preacher, I don't know. That's just what we're supposed to do on Sunday. No, 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 no. It's that we might know him and that we might worship him and that we might lift him up. Therefore, what man sought to know about brought about sin. Because in Genesis, when Adam and Eve was in the garden, they took of the forbidden fruit. And it was because of knowledge that they took of it. But it was about knowing the wrong thing. Genesis 3, verse, begin verse 4, says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. And notice what it says, Knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desired to make one wise, wrong type of knowledge, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. Therefore, what man sought to know brought sin and death upon all mankind from that day forward. That's why that there had to be a, a price paid for sin. God, God continued to want man, even after the fall in the garden, God continued to want man to know him. He wanted that fellowship. He still wants that fellowship. He still wants man to know him. So he made a way, a way for man to know him. My friend, today we look at the word of God and we look at the things of God and the reason that we have the word of God and the things of God is so that we might know him. Lord wants us to know his ways and wants us to know his plans. You know, I said a while ago, and this is a big deal. You know, we just recently had this big leak of all these military documents over a, over a chat room or a gaming room or whatever from that fella, and they went out all over the world and all this knowledge that, about what was going on in the war and, our, and, and different things about what America has involved and different countries have involved in it and everything, and it has become a big mess because of this knowledge that's got out there. And all these things, it was the wrong type of knowledge to get out there unto the other countries. And, and it, it's a black eye on, on America in many ways. Uh, some of the stuff that comes out. Hey, listen, God wants us to know his ways. Not, he's, he's, he's not interested in us knowing the ways of man. The ways of man will destroy us. But the ways of God will bring eternal life. And God wants us to know those ways. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32 says, Now therefore hearken unto me. O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. He said, I want you to keep my ways. I want you to understand my ways. He said, I want you to know. It's not that he just throws us out there in the middle without any, without any knowledge. It's not that we can't know him. It's that, hey, listen, we turn from him. He says, I want you to keep my ways. He said, I want you to know my ways. I want you to know what I'm trying to do. I want you to know how much, uh, and we'll deal with some of that. He said, I want you to know all these things. Proverbs 23, verse 26 says, My son, give me thine heart. Let thine eyes observe my ways. The ways of God are not hid from us. You know, it's an amazing thing. You can talk to people and they can, they can tell you the ways of all kinds of things. They can tell you this, they can tell you that, they can tell you all these plans and everything. But you ask them, what's the ways of God? And they can't tell you. Because they don't seek the ways of God. I'm probably going to deal with that tonight about the ways of God, but the fact is, is that 
the ways of God are not hid from us, and he desires for us to know him and, and know his ways. Plainly, the word of God lays out for everyone to know the ways of the Lord, and by doing so, to know the Lord in an intimate way. You know, one of the things that, that happens in, uh, when a couple gets married and, is that you begin to find out one another's ways. This is the way I do it. And your wife said, that's the way you used to do it. <laughs> Somebody help me, I'm in trouble. <laughs> My wife says, every time you say something like that, everybody looks at me. And they got some type of arch enemy or something up there. I do a lot of counseling. I'm going to talk about other men's wives. How's that? All right. <laughs> but as you get married, you begin to learn and to know one another's ways. And I'm not saying one way is better than the other. I'm just saying, well, yeah, there is better ways. And I've been finding those out. <clears throat> but the fact is, is that in that relationship, you begin to find out the ways of another person and they begin to find out your ways. And actually, the marriage, that's what God wants because it, you become more complete as those ways come together, as you begin to live together. And you begin to find out more about one another and and part of it is because you learn about one another's ways because before you get married, you may not know the, all their ways and all their plans and everything in their life. You think you do, but not necessarily. And God says, listen, he said, I want you to know my ways. He says, I want that intimate relationship with you. I want to be close to you. I want you to be close to me. I want you to know my ways. I want you to understand me. Many times our ways helps people to understand us. The way of the Lord is found in the Word of God and also by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Lord himself even said in Isaiah chapter 55 and, and begin verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, okay, and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and, our, and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And that's where we're going tonight. Whereas the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Lord's is not a God of your making. The Lord is not a God of your ways. The Lord is not a God of your ideas. Therefore, he wants you to know him and know his ways. This is part of knowing God, to know his ways, that you might know his plans. And the way that he's done that, he's given us the word of God and he's given us the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and he directs us and guides us and, and shows us his ways and shows us his plans. The Lord wants us also to know him and fear him. Proverbs 
says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Really, when you begin to know the Lord, there becomes a reverential fear within your life. I'm not talking about a shaking of, of just walking around afraid of God and cowing up. No, he's not talking about that. He's talking about a, yes, there is a fear that, yes, he is a giver of life and he can take your life and he can do what he wants to in your life. And there is that understanding of that. But it's more of a, what he's talking about, the fear of the Lord is that reverence of God and, and of who he is and, and knowing him so that you understand that he is an almighty God. He's in heaven and there's none like him. It changes how you look upon life yourself because an almighty God is looking down and he knows our ways and he knows our plans and he knows what we're doing and what we're thinking and what we're saying and what, we're, what we have intentions of doing. The psalmist also says in Psalms 33, 8 says, let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And in order to understand, or in order to stand in awe of him, you have to know him. You have to know him. That's like a little boy one time. A young boy down, and when I was down in Piedmont that came in, I've told the story before, but this applies in a different way. This uh, a big bully guy that we was picking up on the bus and everything, he was thumping around on the kids and he was, he was calling them names, doing all this and everything, just like a bully. And one day he, he walked over this little fella that's about this much shorter than him, you know, he looked at him and he roughed him a little bit. And I'm telling you what, that little boy went all over him. I'm telling you, just like, you ain't never seen anything like it. I mean, it, the fight was on. They come out to me and said, Brother Haggins, you got to get in here. He said, so-and-so has so-and-so down and he's whipping him. I said, so-and-so's whipping so-and-so? He said, yeah. I said, I'll be here in a minute. So you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. When I got in there, he was done with him. Didn't take him long. That bigger boy learned to have awe of that little boy because he was all over him. I didn't have to do anything. God says, listen, I want you to understand who I am so that you stand in awe of me and that you will fear me. That you'll reverence me. I am the God of heaven. The great tragedy of our day is, is that man does not know or seek to know the Lord and therefore they have no fear of, of standing before him one day in judgment. Here's, here's what's amazing to me. People living such wicked lives and doing all this junk in their lives and everything and without a thought that they're going to stand before an almighty God that knows absolutely everything they've done, thought, said, acts, everything about them. And they're going to be standing in judgment. Well, I praise the Lord when I got saved, man, that was washed away. That slate's been made clean. I won't stand in judgment like the lost person will. But there's no fear today. They go about their sin and their wicked lifestyles and think somehow one day they, they'll go to heaven and there they'll, there's no fear before their eyes of an almighty God in heaven. They think he's some uh, uh, big grandpa sitting up in a, in a rocking chair in heaven with, a, uh, with milk and cookies or dunking his cookies in there so they'll be soft enough for him to eat. Got a big sponge over here to mop up your sin there. My friend, that's not God. 
He's a mighty God. In fact, the Bible says he's angry with the wicked every day. Try that on for size. Everybody just wants to preach on love. He's a God of judgment. The Lord wants us to know him and to fear him, to revere him and to obey him. Yet, he wants us to know his love for us. He wants us to know his love for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, begin there, says that he, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, otherwise understand, with all saints, what is the, the, the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height. And then he says, and to know the love of Christ. He said, I want you to know the love of the Lord, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Yes, he is a God of of judgment. He is a God, a powerful God. He is a God of wrath. But my friend, he is a God of love and he wants you and I to know about his love. He wants us to understand that love. He wants us to experience that love. That's why he gave his son to go to Calvary because he loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because he wants us to know his love. In this love, he wants you to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, Jesus Christ has never hid himself from man. In fact, he came openly, died on the cross, rose again the third day. We celebrated the resurrection last week. Amen. We all celebrate every week. And the reason we all celebrate is because it's a demonstration of the love of God for you and me. Yes, it demonstrates his power. It demonstrates he brought, uh, that Jesus came back to life. He's the son of God, that he's all powerful, that he, his sinless blood was shed uh, on Calvary to take away our sins, to cover our sins, to wash our sins away, that we might have eternal life. He rose the third day that uh, shows us that we serve a living Savior, and because he lives, we'll live also for eternity. But God says, hey, I want you to know it's because I love you, and I want you to understand that love. He's never sent out a little piece of paper like we used to do, Jonathan, like you used to do all them little girls in school. <laughs> I love you. Do you love me? Make a little circle, put yes, another little circle, put no. If it was me, you put another one over here, circle says maybe. <laughs> Please check one. He said, I don't have to send a note out. He said, I want you to know I love you. He said, I want you to know it. He said, I don't want you just to hear that. He said, I don't want you just to read that. He said, I want you to experience that. He said, I want it to be a reality in your life. And he said, I want you to know that by greatness of his power. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he said, these things have I written unto you that believe, otherwise who put their faith in Christ, the name of the Son of God, 
that you may, and this is what he says, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not a hope so, not a maybe so, but a no so. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He said, I want you to know that I'll save you. I want you to know that I'll give you eternal life. He said, I want you to know that I love you. The Lord doesn't want you to just wander or guess or hope or think maybe about something or going to heaven one day. He wants you to know that you're going to heaven by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ on Calvary, the shed blood, the resurrection, that we might have hope. He doesn't want you just to know about him. You see, you can know him or you can know about him. My friend, we should know him, not just about him. Christian, the Lord wants you to know that he cares for you. In this room, maybe not this week, maybe not this month, maybe not last month, maybe not even this year, but every person has went through struggles, went through trying times, went through problems, felt defeated, felt all alone possibly, but he wants you to know that he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for who? For you. Preacher, who was that written to? You, me, every one of us. You mean the God of heaven? the creator of the universe, the almighty God, the one that loved us beyond comprehension, that he actually he cares about me as an individual. And we're not just talking about a world population. He, I'm, I'm somebody to him. I'm, I'm important to him. And he knows about me personally. You. And he wants you to know that he cares for you. Matthew 20, or 11 and verse begin 28, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and, shall find re- and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants you to know that he cares for you. And he wants you to know that he will always be there for you. And God's been so good all the time, but we've seen his hand move in the past months and in people's lives and, and, and they're going through difficulties, health problems or other issues in their lives. And, and he says, I'll not leave you alone. He said, I'm not going to let you do it. He said, I want you to know that it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're walking down a long uh, hallway, a corridor that's black and dark by yourself. I want you to know that I'm going to be there with you. Goes over in Hebrews, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said, I want you to know that. He said, when those dark hours come, when you feel all alone, he said, I want you to know that you're not alone. When everything seems to be falling down around, he said, I want you to know uh, you're not alone. I'm with you. 
and remember who I am, know my ways and know my plan and know me that I will, will protect you and I will be with you and, and help you and strengthen you and, and guide you and protect you. He said, I'll be there for you. He wants you to know that he hears your prayers. Look down at my phone, get a text. This week, uh, thank you, Lord, for answering prayer. Get a phone call. Thank you, Lord, for answering prayer. I see something take place. I see something. I say, Lord, thank you for answering prayer. He said, I just want you to know I still answer prayer. So I want you to know I'm a prayer answering God. He tells us Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, call unto me. Pray. Call unto me. And I will answer thee. He didn't say, I'll, I'll, I'll shuffle it off to an to a angel. I'll shuffle it off to somebody else. Or I'll shuffle it off to, uh, to somebody. He said, no. He said, I will answer thee. But he didn't stop there. He said, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He said, you don't, you'll never be able to know all about me. He said, you'll never be able to know all that I can do for you. But I want you to know when you pray, he said, he said, I can answer you and I can do things that you don't even understand or know. He wants us to know. You're sitting here this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. He does. He said, I hear your prayer. Lord wants everyone to know that he's coming again. He's not put it in such a way that we can't understand. See, preacher, people have said for years, the Lord's coming back, the Lord's coming back, there's going to be the seven-year tribulation and, and all this and everything, and it's, everything's went on and went on and went on and went on, and, and we've heard this for years, and, and you're just another one of the preachers getting up and saying, he's coming back soon. If you get in that scripture, you'll find that he wants you to know, not the day, not the hour, that he is coming back and by what he tells us coming back soon understanding the scripture and knowing for sure that it's not far off he wants us to know he doesn't want us to be in the dark about it 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verse 1, he writes, he said, this also, or this know also. What? Here he is. He said, I want you to know this. I used to have a teacher. I like these type of teachers. They're going through, the, going through their lesson and they're talking to you. Take notes on this, Diane. And they'd say, you better know this. Ding, light comes on. Write this down. It's going to be on the quiz. It's going to be on the test. Go on and say, you better know this. 
You walk out of there and you got, so, what'd y'all write down? You're an idiot. She just told you what's going to be on the test. The Lord said, this know also. He said, I want you to know me. I want you to know my ways. I want you to know my, he said, but I want you to know my plans. He said, I want you to know. And I'm getting ready to come back. I want you to know what the last days are going to look like. This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of uh, their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness from such turn away. He said, these things I want you to know. This is what the last days are going to look like. Uh, look at your notes. It's happening. How many of them, preacher? Every last one of them. Every last one of them. Every last one of them. Matthew 24, verse 6, he says, And ye shall hear the, of wars and rumors of wars, See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Okay? We're familiar with World War I. We're familiar with World War II. Actually, World War II is a continuation of World War I if you really want to look at it from the, that standpoint. If you look at Scripture, he's talking about, when he's talking about wars and rumors of wars, he's talking about a worldwide type of wars. He said the end is not yet. He said this is what's going to happen. He said you're going to have these. We've got that. We've had World War I, World War II. Now we're looking down the throat of World War III. China, Taiwan, Russia, Ukraine, Iran, Israel, the Sudan, all these you, go, you ought to go look. There's over 24 wars right now. He said, these things, he said, I want you to know, he said, these things must come to pass. They've come to pass. And he goes on in verse 6, it says, for nations shall rise against nation. I'm telling you what, right now it's busted apart. Nation is rising against every other nation. It's up for grabs. We're in a power grab in the world right now. And those that used to stand with America are no longer stand with America. And, and, and on goes the list of others the same way in their countries. For nation to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. Say, preacher, that's not happening. Oh, you better look. It is happening. And pestilence. We've got disease after disease after disease and mutating and everything going on and all these different diseases going on, and pestilence, and earthquakes. What's the one over there, what was it, Turkey? Was it, not Turkey, uh, uh, 50,000 dead? 50,000. Earthquakes all over the place. If you notice there, he says, earthquakes in divers places. 
You say, does that mean below the water? No, that doesn't, that's not what it means. It means in diverse, divers, many, many places. And that's what we've got going on right now. He said, all of these are the beginning of the sorrows now. He said, it's getting ready. The Lord wants us to know him. He wants us to know he's coming back. He wants us to know that he's coming in the air for you and me. He wants us to understand his plan. He wants us to understand his ways. He wants us to understand him. He wants us to understand his love and how he died on the cross so that we can be saved. He wants you to understand that your time is short. The Bible says your life is as a vapor that appeared for a short time and vanisheth away. He wants you to know time is short in your life. And he wants you to know his son is your savior. Christian wants you and me to know that we're to live for him, to magnify him, to glorify him, to be a, a, a holy example before this world. The Lord wants you to know him. To do so, you must first receive him as your Savior, but then he wants you to know us to know him in an even greater way, to know him, the Lord, uh, to know the Lord he, as he wants us to will bring a, uh, will sweeten the journey of your life. You want a sweet journey in this life? I didn't say without problems, I said a sweet journey. Get to know the Lord. You see, you don't have to spy on him to know him or to know his ways or know his plans. But you need to seek him with all your heart. And to know him is to love him. Can I ask you this morning, do you know him? Or did you just know about him? He wants you to know him. And to know his ways. And to know his plan. He wants you to know him. It begins on our face before him. Seeking him. With all of our hearts. Let's bow. Father, we come to you this morning asking that you meet with us. Oh Lord, that we might know you that you might be magnified, that you might be glorified in our lives. Lord, please, if there's anyone in this auditorium that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that they would come, that we could take a Bible and show them how they can know you as their personal Savior before it's eternally too late. Lord, as a Christian, help us to know you in a greater way. That's your desire. Lord, be our desire. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?